Okay. Well, welcome to the Sound of Design with Mark and Dan. <laughs> Woo! Oh man, that's going to be a, a sound bite. I'm going to start putting those all over the place. <laughs> what? Woo! That? That's it. That that one. That's exactly it. <laughs> Channeling my inner Ric Flair. I love it. Or Sting, if you want to go. That was I was a Sting fan. But... Hey man, me too. I mean, the yep. w, WCW was amazing. <laughs> yep, we've changed to a pro wrestling podcast, just so you know, everyone listening. <laughs> so uh, anyway. t- today, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, we have seen all over the social medias uh, of every variation, every single designer uh, talking about the frame TV. And gasp. <laughs> Uh, and I get it, to be quite honest. Um, you know, when the Frame TV first came out, it was one of those things that was the first time I saw a truly custom and truly uh, what used to be historically a very impossible thing to get available for the first time to, to mass markets. And so before we, we get into everything, I would just like to to share the Frame TV is the aesthetically driven video experience that custom integrators did for 20 years <laughs> up until the Frame TV <laughs> came out. So as much as I love the Frame TV and I'm down with it and it's great, just know that that idea has been around a really, really, really long time. Uh, it was just very expensive. And so <laughs> that kind of giving us the context, the biggest problem, and this will set up everything that we talk about for this episode, is what do you do for sound and how do you integrate the frame TV? How do you install it? Everything that you're going to need to know about doing a frame TV the way that it is in 2023, uh, because there's so many different nuances and parts and pieces and things that you have to take into consideration. Um, and so we're just going to, you know, deep dive into frame TVs and everything that there is to, to know about them. So uh, given the historical con- context, um, what's the point of a frame TV, Mark? <laughs> what is the point? Um, it, it's all about aesthetics. It's, it's aesthetically driven. And the first generation frame, um, gosh, it's what, what are we on like model six or seven now so i mean, I mean this, yeah it's it's been it's like six or seven years, years ago that's yeah so i mean it's crazy to think because i feel like it just came out yesterday but uh the first especially the first generation or two it was strictly about design and zero about performance um they would they essentially utilize one of their more entry-level panels um and you know created this frame design around it that you could switch out the 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 frames themselves so if you wanted a matte white finish around it or a black or walnut or maple uh it was super cool we sold a ton of them um but you know a lot of folks came to us and said hey you know what i really want to do the frame but it doesn't look good when it's on when it's off it looks incredible it looks just like a painting i can put my pictures of my dogs or my wife or my dogs and my wife whatever uh 
all up there and it looks cool but when i turn it on like it's hard for me to see those images in the in the the darker scenes if i'm watching like the dark knight or something like that yep so samsung went back to the drawing board and said hey maybe we should actually you know people really care about this but they also care about their picture so fast forward to now we have a in my opinion you know mid-tier performance driven picture quality um and top tier in design yep a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And I'm glad that you talked about the picture quality a little bit because it's one of those things that it's not a bad TV. I just want to get off, you know, right right away by saying the picture quality today on a frame TV is pretty good. Like it, it's going to compete with any other backlit uh, television that you're going to see, you know, like some of those mid-tier Sonys or mid-tier LGs and things like that. Is it going to compete with an OLED? No. Like, it's not. But then again, that's not its technology, and that's not its purpose. And so it's just like outdoor TVs have a specific purpose. And guess what? You're going to pay more because they have to design them to withstand the elements. So you're going to get that feature set. When you buy a frame TV, you're not getting the best picture quality or the best picture performance because when it's off, it does look like a painting. And I've seen it now numerous, numerous times when we've done the same concept before the Frame T was available. I had uh, folks putting flash drives with photos on it, and they would run in a loop, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but you could see the backlight. <laughs> you could see, like, it looks <laughs> like a monitor on the wall. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, Sura for years have done the mirror TVs, right? And so you get mm -hmm. into more high-end custom uh, builds and uh, you can have uh, an image pop up on your bathroom mirror or or, or something similar and it, so there's a specific thing that that has happened now which is people now who didn't know that that was an option or maybe couldn't have afforded that option who wants to spend you know the average person can't spend nine or ten thousand dollars on an, a bathroom mirror with a television behind it like that's cool technology but that's expensive um, mm -hmm. so now we have the option to get true art and when you turn it off, there is no backlight and when you t do it the right way, like with the frames, um, and there's so many different options now for frames. It's like, no, we get art and that's really, I think it's, it's great benefit. Um, yep. but, and the other thing to mention real quick, if you're, you know, going back to the, the flash drive, right? Uh, the TV's always on. So uh, yeah. especially, you know, six, seven years ago, TVs were not as energy efficient as they are today. So not only are you, you know, running the life of your TV out, you're also running up your electricity bill just to be able to show those photos. And now this TV is essentially is in, a, in an off state, a very low power standby mode, essentially, uh, while it's displaying your image. So it's, uh, you know, kind of the best of both worlds. Absolutely. So it's a great TV. From a design perspective, we no longer have a big black square in the middle of our living rooms and <laughs> dining rooms and formal <laughs> spaces and uh, bathrooms and all these other uh, types of areas where a TV would aesthetically be out of place. So it's fantastic. But there is one major uh, flaw and a couple of other considerations that need to be addressed. And the flaw is really not a flaw as much as a necessary byproduct of the design, which is that the sound on these TVs is not great. 
<laughs> is that nope. fair, Mark? <laughs> it is 100% fair. It is not designed around <laughs> audio performance in any form or fashion. So I'm going to do the historical context. There was a company that did uh, the art uh, screen roll-up that we did for a long time. And mm -hmm. before there was a frame TV, you would just put a TV on a wall, you would build a case around it, and then you would piece it, put a piece of art in front of it so it would be art when it's art. And then when you turn on your control system, the art would roll up and reveal the, te the television screen, right? Well, in that mm -hmm. context, people were already having speakers installed throughout the house. People were already getting receivers for sound. They were already doing that kind of work in the, the home anyway. And so it didn't matter that the sound was not good because you probably already had some variation of speaker. And so when Samsung designed this thing, they're designing the wall bracket specific. The current version has two parts to it uh, on a left side and a right side. So it takes a little bit of skill to mount this thing. But they've designed it in such a way where it sits less than a quarter of an inch off the wall. So where do you have room for speakers? Like when you really think about it, it's beautiful looking, but where's the sound going to go? Um, so that would be the first hurdle is what do you do for, for sound? And then the second one is their One Connect box. Can you tell me what the One Connect box is, Mark? Yes, it is this wonderful magic device that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, essentially, it's it's the the main board of an, a, a traditional TV, and the main board is essentially where everything connects. Uh, so your HDMI connections, your audio inputs and outputs, um, your Ethernet input, your USBs, all of that uh, constitutes kind of the main system board of a television. Um, but in order to get the, the television flush, we can't have all of those extra plugs sticking off the back of the TV. So what Samsung did is they removed all of those ports off of the actual frame television itself. And they put it in a separate box ab about the size of a cable box. Um, it's a maybe bigger. a little, a little, a little taller, maybe, but not as deep. It's, it's weird. They, they change it every couple of years, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, everything connects to that. So you, you know, if you've got a streaming device or a cable box or a receiver or audio solution, all that connects somewhere to that device. And then there is a specific one connect uh, fiber optic cable that connects via proprietary connection on the one connect box and goes to the, the frame television itself. Um, so it, it allows you to essentially keep the TV flush to the wall and. Um, and allows you to still connect all your favorite stuff. Nice. Well, and I like the idea, and they had done one connect boxes prior to the frame TV on other models, right? So mm -hmm. Samsung, and I remember the conversation specifically, we didn't know if it was going to be HDMI 2.0, uh, I'm sorry, 1.4, I think at the time, and correct mm -hmm. me, historians, if you want, that was going to be standardized at 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second. And so for uh, non-techie folks out there, it's what is the port actually supposed to do? What is the connection actually uh, supposed to accept? And 
they were debating it, and I'm sure there was a bunch of engineers making a bunch of solid arguments all over the place. Uh, but in the end, we didn't know, and Samsung finally said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the HDMI ports out of the back of the panel. You put it in this box, and then you can upgrade that box later if they decide to change the standard. <laughs> so you'll still be good to go. Um, and then when they went frame TV, it was like, oh, that's perfect. But it still presents you with the physical problem, which is if it looks like art, you still don't want to have any cords or wires showing. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose. So mm -hmm. we got to come up with some place uh, to put uh, the One Connect box. Um, and that's really become, I think, more of a, a consideration than anything else. So, of course, you could have a box sitting out. Let's put the. What is the number one place people put the frame TV in Middle Tennessee, Mark? Over the fireplace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> over the fireplace. That is over correct. the fireplace. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have seen. Uh, it is not wonderful, but I have seen people put the One Connect box on the mantle <laughs> underneath <laughs> uh, the frame TV, and I have seen the power cord go across the mantle and down across to the right where it is connected to the power outlet. Um, Ugh. Do you think that that is an aesthetically pleasing sight? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've taken you've taken everything that we've talked about so far and kind of thrown it out the window. Uh, you see a box, you see cables. What happened to your frame TV is now just a glorified television that that shows those screenshots, just like your previous option that we talked about before the frame. So, so what did we do? Right. And <laughs> and, and I would continue that with saying when you go to solve the audio problem of it, the concept of putting a soundbar with this television is just asinine. It's absolutely ridiculous because if you see a soundbar, then you know that it's a television. Well, then what was the point of doing a frame TV? Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is no point in doing a frame TV. You just put a regular TV and a soundbar and call it a day. Like, that's yep. and that's fine there's nothing wrong with doing that just don't do the frame <laughs> exactly so exactly. uh all right so how would you start to consider let's take that as an example right we've got a fireplace maybe we've got some built-ins on the right and the left um and we want to do a frame tv um how would you begin the conversation about uh designing uh the audio system and what do you do with that pesky one connect box yeah. So this is this is one of those things where you really need to be in touch with an uh, AV designer early on in the process, especially if you're building a home, um, because uh, like you said, a lot of the homes here have fireplaces and a lot of them are beautiful brick, stack stone, things like that, that marble, if you're going to put a yeah, marble, yes, tiles. <laughs> so if you're going to put a frame TV up on the wall, uh, that one connect cable cannot be run through the wall. It is not in-wall rated um, because it carries both uh, low voltage and high voltage to the television itself. The TV doesn't have a plug on it for power. So it is not in-wall rated. They used to make an in-wall rated cable, but it it's... It's like a Sasquatch. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Every uh, time you try and order it, it's like back ordered indefinitely for 
months yep. and years. No joke. So <laughs> so if you want to do a frame TV and you're going to have a stack stone or some sort of custom material fireplace, there needs to be a back box placed pre-stone, pre-marble, pre-tile, whatever it is, in place of where you're going to place that TV. Uh, this allows you to get that flush look that you want at the end of the day once everything gets installed uh, and allows us to house that box back behind the television. Uh, now, typically, we would also run a conduit from you know, wherever you want the other equipment to, to, to live, if other equipment being you know, audio amplification or you know, Apple TV, Roku, or cable box, whatever it is. Um, because we can hide all of that equipment because that connects with a low voltage connection. Um, but we need to have a, a back box behind the TV. It is uh, against fire codes to run that one connect cable on the wall. So being prepared before any of that stone goes up is definitely important. Um, also, we can talk about audio, which is a, a lot about a, a, the biggest reason why Dan and I think wanted to talk about this outside of the back box is we can now plan on where we're going to put the speakers. Because if we do a soundbar, hey, it's just a TV with a soundbar, but the TV does artwork, right? Uh, if we plan it far enough ahead, we can do any audio solution uh, up to surround sound, and you don't even need to see it. Yep, absolutely. And I... I would like to point out the back box uh, comes in a couple variations. There's a 9 and a 17, uh, I think a 20-inch. and uh, You do need mm -hmm. to have the bigger one in place. And if it's not a custom surface, surface if it's not brick, stone, or tile, or something along those lines, marble, uh, you can retrofit that into drywall. So mm -hmm. uh, the average uh, consumer, right, you know, every uh, the average Joe does have the ability to retrofit a back box to make the one uh, connect box disappear into the wall. Um, and so it's not the end of the world. It's just when you do that custom uh, surface that it really becomes an issue. Um, so let's say that we have built-ins um, on either side with uh, bookshelves, um, specifically calling out bookshelves. <laughs> what type of speaker could you use to get sound from your television? Yeah, so uh, if you got built-ins, you've got uh, a couple of options. So uh, one of the, the my favorite things that I ever learned when talking about sound is how do you want your sound to look? Um, which a lot of people think, well, what do you mean? It's a speaker and sound you can't see it. But yeah, you can. You see the speaker. So do you want a do you want a large speaker? Do you want a small speaker? Or do you want an you know something that's invisible essentially? Uh, so that's where we start. And when you have built-ins on either side, you can locate the equipment inside of those built-ins. You don't need to see it, but you can then do essentially whatever speaker you want based on uh, if you've got drywall behind it, you could do an invisible or an in-wall speaker. If you want to see the speaker and you want a you know, small or medium-sized bookshelf speaker, or you could do floor-standing speakers on the outside of your uh, your outside of your built-ins, or even in some cases, I've had clients frame in floor-standing speakers into their their cabinets with grills or something along those lines to allow yep. the sound to travel through it. So, but the idea is that we didn't take away from the aesthetic design of the space because we now have the the frame TV when it's you know in art mode, but then when you turn it on, you now have a high-performance sound system. Yep. 
Well, and there's different uh, types of speakers, as you mentioned, and one of the most popular ones recently uh, has been invisible speakers. And uh, I know there's a couple of different brands that do this, and we'll talk about the amplifiers in a second, but um, an invisible speaker is one where you actually cut in to a stud bay. So you actually cut out this whole area, and you can do them. It's even easier, quite honestly, if you do it in a new build as opposed to uh, a retrofit. But um, you put this speaker right in, and then you actually mud over it, sand it down, you get a level five drywall guy to actually do the proper level five finish. Uh, and they'll sand it down to this very, very minute tolerance. And then they paint it. And so when we say invisible, meaning it's drywall, that's what it looks like. It's not actually drywall. It's actually a speaker. But it looks like drywall. And they sound awesome. If you get the eight-inch version of these things, it is beyond surprising <laughs> how mind good, blown how, how good they sound like comparable with the tower speaker which is you know from a sound perspective one of the better uh styles of design because you have all these different c components you have tweeters and you have mid-range and you have good bass and that invisible speaker is giving you all those same types of components they're also giving you the aesthetic right so it looks mm -hmm. awesome yep and your your interior designer doesn't have to Photoshop them out of your your picture uh, that they take <laughs> of your home when they're done. So, uh, uh, and honestly, like you're talking about performance, like I would put these up against some of the, I mean, I, any entry level tower that you would see at yeah. just a you know a normal big box store, and even entry level in a premium shop, I would put them next to some of those, not all of them. If you go to you know like their top tier. Uh, I've done a couple of theaters with them. Uh, I got to go visit uh, the vendor that one of our vendors that's that uh, manufactures them. I got to go visit and talk with their head engineer. And this company basically just went to this guy and said, hey, you know, you are super smart. This is, you know, you helped us originally design the first in-wall speaker, you know, the, the first mass produced one that we made. So here's a blank check. Uh, go and build a new invisible speaker for us. And uh, he actually invented a new technology to to essentially test how a speaker uh, disperses audio. And um, that's how they design these speakers. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and they have a, a 9.4.2, or sorry, a 7.4.2 surround sound system in their their shop out in California. Uh, incredible. I mean, is it the same as a $40,000 theater? No, but you walk into the room, it's just a frame TV on the wall, but there are uh, 11 speakers in there. Oh, 13 if you count the subs. Yeah. Well, and that is not going to be, um, you know, the only solution that you can do for uh, the frame TV. There are some other options and, um, you can mm -hmm. do in-wall speakers that are traditional, right? Or in-ceiling yep. speakers that are traditional. And you can pick your variation from 200 bucks to, you know, sky's the limit, right? And so when you wire them back, the, the last kind of big consideration is uh, kind of a, a two-fold or, or, or two-parter, which is 
the type of amplifier or the type of sound that you're trying to create. So if you just want the sound of the TV, doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I just need a little bit better than what the TV has, you might be able to get away with just two speakers. And mm -hmm. I've seen it happen a bunch of times, and there's nothing wrong with it if you don't use it a lot. But if it's going to be one of your main viewing areas, you may want to consider going up from two speakers where you had maybe, let's say, like a Sonos amp or something like that integrated to doing a full-fledged receiver and finding a way to do a middle speaker. And this isn't necessarily a center channel underneath the television. We would want ideally place this either above uh, or in the ceiling or something along those lines. Uh, and the main reason is that when you do a receiver with a center channel, that in-ceiling center channel does nothing but dialogue. So you think about what is the hardest thing for people to hear? Well, it's the words, right? You've all, and I've done it too, watched a movie where there's this scene, they're in like a dungeon or a prison or something like that, and people are whispering to each other, and you're like, I can't hear it at all what it is that they just said. And so like you turn it up and you rewind the scene, and of course what's the very next scene like a battle of horses or a, <laughs> right or a jet or something crazy like flying in and you're going like oh my goodness it's so loud why is this so loud so what do you do you want to turn that down and so you're constantly playing this game of up and down and up and down but if you do a receiver you do three channels right or five channels and you've got that dedicated middle speaker well you can adjust the volume of that relative to the music and sound effects in the other speakers and so just by going to three speakers and a receiver you end up in a much much better place uh, and again stick with the aesthetic put them in the ceiling don't clutter up the design don't take away from the formal space but don't compromise on not hearing it and not using it because then you know as cool as that is you never use it right and and then you're going well then what did i spend the money for i should have put the money into art <laughs> and, exactly you know it, it, just to be honest like it's kind of do it right there's nothing wrong with doing it right and if you were going to spend five six ten thousand dollars on a piece of art and you look at what the cost of a system with you know three speakers and a receiver and you know some some installation and a frame tv depending on its size like you're gonna be in the same ballpark so you're not necessarily spending more money. And this is kind of the critical point here. You don't have to budget more dollars than you would have otherwise spent. You just have to do it right. Just commit to doing it the way that it, it should be done so you have mm -hmm. the experience that you want. Exactly. All right. Anything to add on the Frame TV, Mark? Yeah, so I know that we kind of gave soundbars a bad rap at the beginning um but uh you know i did want to kind of mention there are if 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 soundbars are your only solution right let's say it, it's or it's aesthetically kind of what you need to go for uh there are a couple of companies out there that integrate um things like the sonos arc into a custom design box uh, that can mount below the television that matches the wood frame of the uh, whichever frame that you choose. So whatever color it is. And 
it even has a matching uh, or an aesthetically pleasing grill that either offsets or matches the the frame color itself too. So ultimately, if you're you know in the boat of needing you know that soundbar solution, you can get a custom soundbar that matches uh, um, the Frame TV. I believe it's actually called the Frame Bar, and it'll either integrate a Sonos device or their own. That, that the company Leon actually manufactures it. Uh, makes their own soundbar as well. Yeah, and I think that's probably the the best place to end because even though the Samsung variation is great, what if you don't want to compromise at all? I want to have the best type of TV I can possibly get, which is going to be, typically speaking, the OLED style of technology, and mm -hmm. I want to have the art as well, and I want to have really good sound. Well, you know, LG makes a phenomenal gallery television, and it doesn't necessarily require a one connect box. And so if you do that with um, the Edge Media Frame and an integrated three-channel soundbar, you're going to get the same aesthetic outcome, but you'll get even better performance. And I think that's probably the thing that most people don't even realize is an option. Like, nope. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just, it's a big world. There's a lot of, a lot of choices out there. You just don't know, uh, until you find out. Well, the last thing I, I think we should touch on then is, uh, can you get different kinds of frames now, uh, for your frame television? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we work with, uh, a, a distributor for framemytv.com. Um, which is, uh, it's an awesome website that, uh, um, actually got to meet the, we got to meet the owner, uh, was it back in May or something, yep. uh, just this cool dude. And he was just like, Hey, you know, he saw how important the frame TV is to everybody and, and how big it is in our industry now. And he's like, Hey, I want to actually make aesthetically pleasing design frames that match these televisions that don't take away from the overall aesthetic or performance of the TV. Um, but just add to the aesthetic of it. So um, I, I want to say there's probably, I'm going to say at least 10 or 12 different designs that I've seen. And there that's just from what we, we carry. And I believe there's even a few others that, that they still hold that they manufacture specifically and sell direct. So um, if you want kind of that extra flashy, uh, you know, or more uh, uh, antique looking frame or more modern looking frame, outside of the ultra-thin bezel that the television has with the magnets that Samsung manufactures, uh, you can kind of get, there's a lot more options for, for you to, from you to choose from now. So, yeah. And they got the idea from, uh, another company that, you know, did this for a long time and still does it quite honestly, which is Sir. I sort of mentioned them a little bit at the beginning with the mirror TVs. They mm -hmm. have an option for you to get a fully framed mirror television uh, for formal spaces. And I remember vividly the first time we did one and I was thinking in the back of my head, like, what do you need this for? Like, this seems kind of niche, but as soon as I walked into this client's living room, it was very traditional and they had classic art. And I mean, going back to like the 1600s, 1700s, it's almost like walking into a museum. And each one of these pieces of art had these beautiful hand carved wooden frames. And so, of course, they're saying, like, this is our main living room, and we don't watch a ton of TV, but when we do, this is the room it's going to be in. 
So what do you do? And I was like, well, we have the mirror TV and you can get this traditional looking frame to go around it. And, you know, they looked at it and go, oh, my goodness, that would be perfect. And it does. It looks like a mirror when it's off. Mm -hmm. And it looks like and the frame is gorgeous. And it's just a mirror over a fireplace. And it looked like it was a designed piece. And then you press a button and boom, there's your television. And so it's just a fantastic example of allowing the aesthetic of the room uh, to lead your design. And let's make the technology work with the home as opposed to against the home. So, Exactly. All right. Well, this has been uh, a little bit of a shorter episode of The Sound of Design. With Mark. And Dan. Ah, I tried to get you. You surprised me. Yeah. You surprised me. <laughs> you came in in true form. Well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, if there's uh, specific topics that you would like to hear us cover, uh, please let us know. Uh, and if you want to uh, have us design a project for you, please feel free to reach out to us at thesoundofdesign.com. And uh, we'd be happy to, uh, to take a look at uh, whatever it is that you guys want to get done. Thank you, and we will see you Thank next you very time. Much. See ya.